Won't you please make this? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Please Make This mini-sode. Uh, it's me, uh, Hobart, uh, and uh, this is, uh, I guess, going to be one we file under uh, We Made This. Uh, this is, uh, we, we talked to someone about a project that they have uh, completed, that they've written through to the very end and seen the uh, fruits of their labors. Uh, so tonight, we have a very special guest on this uh, mini-sode, uh, someone I'm very familiar with, uh, and that's because he is my dad. This is Mark Thompson. Hey, what's up, dude? How are you? Oh, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Cool. Don't worry. I checked in with my dad before we started recording the podcast, but this is just for just for flavor. Uh, so uh, uh, what's up? Uh, how, what, what are we talking about today? Well, I guess I have written uh, a play that we here have produced at our local community theater, and this past weekend we had our world premiere. That sounds a bit more... Uh, important than it probably is, but still, we had it. That's great. And we had we did three shows, and they were well attended, and they did very well, uh, well received, also. Excellent, very good. So uh, to give some context to this um, to our listeners, uh, so my parents uh, both live in Brevard, North Carolina, a small town somewhat close to Asheville, North Carolina. If you're familiar with that city as a place, as many people are. Uh, and uh, he has been working on a play called uh, a J- Just Another Big Dog. Uh, and uh, he has completed it, and he has produced it. Uh, my dad is not a playwright. Uh, he is a... Veterinarian. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so uh, let's talk about this process, because, yeah, I mean, you did it. You, uh, you uh, wrote a whole play, and it's been produced. Right. That's pretty cool. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it began... About I think ten years ago, maybe more, somewhere in that range. And I remember you sending me a draft to read right. when I was in college. Yes, and um, I wrote it for a uh, local playwright contest, a, a new play mm-hmm. contest, and it did pretty well. It just didn't do quite well enough. It, there were I think that year a hundred and three submissions from around the world. Actually, we had there were some from other countries, and. Um, of those 103, I was in the final three, and I finished nice. and I finished third, uh, which means nothing because only the the first play got produced, and so then it was exiled to my hard drive for about seven years while I worked on a couple of other projects that I wanted to play with, and then I decided I should get it out and let it breathe again and see what happened. And, uh, is there anything in particular that uh, that spurred on that? Because uh, I, I almost want to. We, we were. I know that my 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 dad listens to our podcast, and so I know <laughs> that you're familiar with the concept of uh, our tales from the script miniseries about dead ideas, which I almost uh, had this under because I mean, technically, yeah, this idea was gone for like seven years right. and it reemerged. Right. Uh, so what uh, what spurred uh, you reanimating the dead? I just thought that. Well, the the. the the uh, second thing that I wrote, which I actually like uh, overall, maybe better than this one, it just has a lot further to go. You know, it's I like the idea of it really well, I like the plot of it, but um, I just thought that uh, it was time to just see where this could go. I just thought it, it was good enough, had done well enough that it needed to be visited again. So um, I, I revived it and... Uh, started rewrites and uh you know one thing i've learned from this process is rewrite 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 and it just seems to continue to get better as you do and uh after about the seventh rewrite overall 
I just sent it out to some friends and said, read this and give me some feedback, which they did. And one of those friends happened to be on our local community theater's play selection committee. And not only did she read it, she su submitted it to the committee. They voted on it. And then they said, you're, we're doing your play and you're directing it. And I said, yikes. <laughs> well, I uh, didn't, I guess, make, a, make it this round as a reader. Uh, no, well, it's changed some. No, it has the the plot hasn't changed that much. No, you didn't. Apparently, um, yeah. The the biggest things that I did to change. Well, we, well let's okay. before we get there. Okay. Before we start talking about the changes you've made, I think we've gone on. We need to tell the listener what this place about. Sure. So let's okay. talk about that first. So uh, you know, in the uh, in the category of write what you know, I figured for my first fictional effort, uh, and I have published before. I have a a veterinary textbook that's mine that I've published three editions of now. So I at when least... When are we going to get the stage version of that? There won't be one because it would be incredibly boring. <laughs> um, but, you know, what that taught me is that if you just sit on your laptop long enough for a year or so every night, you can create something like this. And so I thought, okay, if I can do that, I can do this. So um, I started with, under the category of write what you know with a to write a veterinary thriller. And that's what I have. And so it is about uh, two veterinarians. It is a Friday in a Vermont border town on the border of Vermont and Quebec. And there is a blizzard of the century approaching. So this very big storm. And late in the afternoon, they have sent their entire staff home. One of the doctors is a young new associate who lives in the apartment there at the practice. And the other one lives nearby and... Both are women. One is a young woman. One is a, the old, the practice owner, who is an older woman, and the uh, the practice owner is about to leave. They finished their day's work, and as she gets up to leave, there's a knock on the locked door, and they go to answer the door, and there's three men there, one of who is injured and being carried by the other two. Okay, and of course they immediately protest and say that uh, this is not a human hospital, it's a veterinary hospital, uh, and very quickly find out that they are not that interested in that, that they have just committed a crime. One of, the, one of them has been uh, shot, and they are expecting these two veterinarians to treat this person because they can't go to a hospital. Okay, and uh, of course, as all this happens, the storm gets worse. They get basically locked in, you know, with the uh, with snow and this thirty-inch high wind, whiteout condition, blizzard, um, and eventually have to perform surgery at gunpoint on this man. And that's pretty much the story, the, the, the plot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah. No spoilers, please. Uh, <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, so this is, I mean, this is a pretty wild uh, first play, man. There's gunplay, there's a surgery on stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So did you actually do, like, like did you have fake blood in the surgery scene? We did, yeah. We had we had blood. We had, I mean, we had, we had uh, you know, quite a lot. Of, I mean, the surgery goes on for 20 or 30 minutes through several scenes. It actually goes on for mm -hmm. a few hours, but it takes 20 or 30 minutes of uh, stage time for this to happen. And we actually remove some things and dump them in a bucket, which is 
gets really great o- a- audience uh, what was reaction. It? A spleen. No, but what was it really? It was actually was it just like a, it was, was a, it a cat spleen. It was a spleen shaped pillow that your mother made on her sewing machine. So oh, it's, it's it's the right color. It's the right shape. We put a little bit of the fake blood on it, and we uh, attach a couple of hemostats to it, and drop it in this vental bucket so it goes clank. And that, that gets a great reaction every night from the crowd. Okay, good. Well, yeah. <laughs> well good. So there's a little body horror in this too. And we do, and then, we, and then we have a little piece of uh, intestine we take out. So yeah, we have nice. we have a couple of different body parts, and uh, and right. and and things go wrong. I don't know how much you want me to tell you about how things go wrong, but things do. I mean, it's up to you. You're the you're the writer yeah. and director. Yeah, I mean, I guess if this podcast comes out after next week, it's when, coming out Friday. Ah, uh, well. Maybe no one down here will know about it, so we don't have any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I like your optimism that people in Rivard listen to Please Make This a lot. Well, there may be a few. I mean, people know who you are down here. A few do. Oh. Uh, but but anyway, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so we, uh, you know, the the power goes out as you'd expect in a storm. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to turn on the generator, um, and the patient doesn't do well. And, uh, uh, in fact, ends up in uh, cardiac arrest. There's a long revival scene that may or may not work, depending on what you think is going to happen when you come back to act two. And so it, it, right. it gets rather intense. And what's really been interesting about the process now that we, and so, you know, we, we built a, a clinic, a veterinary hospital on stage, you know, a, a surgery, a treatment area, a reception area. Um, and we elevated the surgery area so our, our audience is looking up. So you can't really see for sure what's exactly happening. But you see, you know, uh, two doctors in cap, gown, and gloves, you know. Um, and you, there's an anesthesia machine up there. And the two uh, gentlemen that are holding them hostage are uh, having to run anesthesia and supply the, the doctors as they go. Um, and... Uh, so all of this is happening up there. Um, between every scene, we have, which I think was uh, has worked out really well, but uh, what was intended just to be a uh, a way to move from scene to scene without uh, to draw the the audience's eye away from what's happening as we change scenes. We have a weather announcer that narrates the blizzard and updates us on these this small town's little bank robbery of the day. Okay. And, uh, mm. and, uh, we actually, just before the play was just before we started rehearsals, I decided that it shouldn't be a weather announcer. It should be weather announcers. And I have this little small town radio station where the husband and wife team that run this radio station are announcing from their home studio because of the storm. And so we get in, we get a little banter between the two, which is worked out great because they're actually very funny. And so all of a sudden, this thriller has way more comedy than I ever in, intended it to have. Uh, and I think that bleeds over into the rest of it. And there are just things that are said that I never meant for them to be funny, but people laugh. And so yeah. we, we, we've ended up with a bit of a dramedy, I think, um, much more than we ever expected. And, the, you know, some lines that I thought might get a chuckle are getting, you know, just big laughs because I think the people are a little primed for it because they've just come out of the uh, the interaction with the uh, radio announcers. And so that's really 
really been surprising and nice. Oh yeah, Dale. I I personally think there should be moments like that in you know thrillers and action movies and horror mm-hmm. movies. I think those ones are just like straight up grim from mm-hmm. you know end to end. I think it's so hard to maintain such a to that any any extreme tone for that amount of time. So I think yeah, it, it, as you saw, I mean, if, if you don't build that in, then people find it naturally. Right. That's why you know in, in movies you always have like really you know gory horror movies you'll go to a midnight screening and people will be like yelling things out and laughing because that's like the the body's natural resistance to mm-hmm. seeing uh, i guess tough tough things <laughs> yeah and this isn't super gory either you know i mean i don't think it's you already told me about the bloody spleen pillow man you're not you're not taking it back now <laughs> well i mean it, it's it's uh no no more uh, and probably less than your average Grey's Anatomy episode. You know, it's just uh, you know well familiar. Yeah, so that you know, it's just not like it's it's tremendously uh, gory. Um, and then in the second act, as there we're uh, watching this this patient who has survived but is doing very badly. I mean, you know, he has not survived well, and it's very much in doubt that he's going to survive. Um, then they realize that they have to get some food, get some sleep. You know, this is going to go on all weekend. And so they start taking shifts for one of the bank robbers and one of the doctors sleeps while the other two monitor the patient. Um, mm-hmm. And then that allows for these pairings. The older mm-hmm. vet and one of the brother, the brother of the guy who's been shot. And then the younger vet and the, um, the, we, who we have nicknamed the henchman. We, we, we call him throughout the show the henchman. Um, and the first two... He's not a brother. He's, he's an outside right. force. Well, he's, okay. he, he's the, 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 the uh, brother who's, um, you know, who's not been shot. He is his best friend. Okay, oh. And they're the ones who planned, planned this whole thing, um, the two of them. And, uh, but the, uh, the henchman is rather erratic. And we find out his backstory that he is not who you think he is. He's this spoiled rich kid that's just kind of been cut off by mom and dad because he's had a bit too many problems with substances. And um, and so he is, you know, very uh, volatile and erratic. And the young veterinarian is emotional and somewhat volatile herself. She has just come out of a bad marriage and a bad situation at a residency that she got fired from and the two of them just lock horns and so that scene is ends up with them having to be physically separated from each other as they're yelling at each other and the other one is completely the opposite it's where the older veterinarian and the younger uh thief are have almost like a mother-son bonding kind of thing and they just start talking, and it's it's just it, it it's almost a it's a tender scene between the two of them, and you know it, it, toward the you know you start to see that uh, you know maybe the two of them are going to figure out a way to get out of this thing with no further violence and no for no one else getting hurt. Do you have a I'm curious, do you have a favorite character in the in the script or no? Well, all I mean the radio announcers are a. Are a tremendous surprise, you know. They're 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 uh, because it was just intended to be just a, uh, a a link from one scene to the other, and it's turned out to be this. What we have the the guy who's playing the radio announcer actually is a retired radio man, who happens nice. to be in the South Carolina Radio Hall of Fame. 
That's his claim to fame. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so he has this silky, smooth radio voice, and it just plays tremendously. And the lady who's playing his wife is plays it as a quirky, just funny lady that uh, um, you know she has all these little goofy things that she says. And uh, um, so that part has it ended up being a much larger bit of the story than I ever intended it to be, but in mm-hmm. a good way. Um, and then, uh, you have the, the four main characters and they're, yeah, I, I know this probably sounds kind of goofy and like something you'd hear at a, uh, community college, uh, class on, uh, writing a play. Um, but the characters kind of created themselves, you know, as we've, but all the rewrites and especially now that we're having it, uh, you know, performing it on stage, um, they just take on a life of their own and you start to see things about them you didn't even know were there and you start to to figure out motivations for what they're doing that are in the script but you didn't know you even put them there you know and it just they you know like the older veterinarian carol i mean she's a badass i mean from the minute this starts to happen she is analyzing the situation and figuring out how she's going to get out of there i mean she has mm. and she's you learn eventually she's ex-army you know, she knows what she's doing and she's and she's just starts plotting how this is gonna how this is gonna come out in her favor, you know. She's the lady you want. Boy, this is you've really made some changes since last oh, time. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, the fact that there's a the old veterinarian's a lady, it wasn't when you read it, it was a man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so I yeah, I, exactly. I, I changed that. I just and it really made a new dynamic that I like. Um and then the younger veterinarian is you know, she comes across as being this like this brilliant. I mean, she's smart, you know, she's in control, but she is so uh, emotional and she gets, you know, when it, when she starts getting into locking horns with this other guy, I mean, she just goes off on him. And, uh, um, you know, she she eventually she doesn't know at the time that that guy has shot somebody. There's a bank guard that's been shot. She doesn't know that when she's yelling at him and when she finds out, she's kind of horrified that, you know. She did, you know, she had to be pulled apart from this guy, who really is probably as dangerous as she. It's it's almost like um, she actually accuses Carol of getting Stockholm syndrome, getting too buddy buddy with these guys. Mm-hmm. When it's really her that is, she's the one that's getting almost too comfortable in the situation and putting herself in danger because of it. So. Wow! Yeah, I mean, it sounds really good, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really come along. Yeah, I well, I uh, we, we we are probably going to wrap up soon. But before we go, I want to discuss. Now we discussed the play. I guess I want to talk about like I mean, you know, I I, I think one thing that we have tried to that I personally would have always wanted to convey with please make this is the idea of uh, writing uh, screenplays, plays, TV pilots, whatever it is, to encourage people to actually like try those things out. To, like, you know, if we can pull ideas from thin air and make them into real movie ideas in a couple of weeks, then, you know, anyone could turn anything into an idea for a movie. Because, I mean, I think we find, we, we view, so when this was recorded, it was the day after the Oscars, uh, <laughs> we, we, we view screenwriting as some sort of vaunted show business position. But everyone starts somewhere. And, right. You know, everyone's an amateur until you get paid uh, or until the Academy decides after eight tries they're finally going to give you an Oscar. <laughs> that was a Spike Lee joke. I know. I, uh, I caught that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't know if you caught it <laughs> last night. Um, uh, no, we did, but, actually, because uh, our power went out last night and we didn't see anything. But uh, I did find out who won this morning. No, I, I also found out who won this morning. I had no interest in watching it. But, nonetheless, 
anyone can write anything they want to and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And so uh, do you have anything that you want to say to the to the enterprising person who might have their idea for a play in their head yeah. and they just can't put it to paper? I think put it to paper. You know, that's when you start to create. The, the other, everything is an idea in your head until you put it down. And then you put it down and, and commit to the idea and then things start to happen. And uh, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, you know, you can bounce it around in your head forever. But it's until you, you bring it out of your head and put it down and let someone else read it. That gives you the accountability. You know, then you got to say, okay, I've got to create something that's interesting. Or they're going to look at this and say, what the hell are you doing? You know, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. But if you put it down there and it's interesting and people read it, uh, uh, you know, that's how you commit to it and that's how you make it happen. And you've already started working on something else, right? Um, yeah, I have something, another uh, play that I wrote probably three years ago that unfortunately probably should be a screenplay. You know, once I got it finished, I thought it, it, it needs to be outdoors. It needs to be in nature. It's a, it's a play. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about now. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, well, it, then it needs maybe, to travel. Maybe we'll be talking about that on a future episode. Maybe so. I, yeah, I, I've actually brought it up with the same people that read it, my, my other play, and said, what do you think of this idea? And they think, well, we can do that on stage. And I'm not sure I agree. I think it needs to be a screenplay. But since I've never written a screenplay and i got to figure out how to do that, I can't. I can't uh, do that. I got to get this done first and maybe I'll bring that one out of exile and start working on it. All right. Yeah. Or yeah, dig it up. <laughs> we want to go back to the, the tales from the script, uh, narrative. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, uh, congratulations on getting, uh, uh, just another big dog done and, and made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And then hopefully the next one, which, uh, little, little, uh, whatever spoiler for the listeners, uh, involves an RV being on stage. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe that'll be our next project. That's right. Uh, but, uh, in the meantime, I think, uh, I'll, I'll let you get back to, uh, your uh to your work sir <laughs> I just, this is how this is how i always uh in conversations is, with my own dad this is my yeah, work so, right here oh nice yes yes now we're, we're cheersing with our local beers uh as we uh, remind you our listener to please make this you didn't do it dad oh please make you didn't this. even try man well, you've listened to the podcast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I have, but I didn't know I was part of the uh, the. You almost series. said you've never finished one. Is that what you're about to say? No, I actually I finished a, f- a few of them. Actually, all right, this yeah. episode's done. Please make this, everybody. <laughs> this show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.